I'll say that right now. But I have a great relationship with Aaron. We teach well together. We have fun. We're going to talk about support raising. So I'll start off with a question. I'll just introduce myself a little bit, and then we'll t- start off with a question. So I come from a background. I didn't even become a believer till I was 37. I know I'm not 37 now. That's very easy. Um, I became a believer at 37. I became first heard about missions at 40. And then at 42, my family and I moved to Nigeria and worked with street children. My wife worked with widows there, and I loved it. And I will tell you, I thought I was going to be there about 20 years at least. Um, I know I have friends that raised their families there that have lived there for more than 20 years. But a little more than two years later, just as evident as our call to missions was, our call home was. was our call home. God let me know, and then he let my wife know independently without me asking her. Um, She came to me two days later. I'd asked God for a sign, and that was the sign I asked for. Just have my wife confirm it without me asking her about it. And she came to me. She goes, I think we're supposed to move back to the U.S. I said, yeah, I know. I was just waiting for you. And so usually, um, I don't know how it is in your relationships, my wife usually hears from God way before I do. In this this case, I definitely heard first, and it was very hard for me. I'm not a patient person. Um, Not a patient person whatsoever. But I did wait. What are you looking for? Oh, I had nothing to do with that. Go ahead, keep talking. I'll work it out. Is this it? That's there. Right, well, yes, no, no, yes. So that's that's God. God's got a story for you. And you may think you have a plan, and you may think he's let you know his plan, but maybe he's just let you know the next step. And maybe this is the next step. So we're here to encourage you that God can raise your support. God is your supporter. He's got you. He's got it all. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He also owns the thousand hills. So it's all his. So my first question, our first question for you is, who here has been on a mission trip? Awesome. How was it? Awesome. Who here went for more than, let's say, three months? Yes. Did God provide what you needed financially? That's so good. Do you have any questions yet? You good so far? You need help? I get to keep going. Keep going. Anybody want to tell us what was your experience like raising support when you did it? I know at least three hands were up, so I know at least three of you raised support. A lot of people love to give when you You know, one of the encouraging things, we, we got to do this earlier at 1 o'clock, and one of the men that was in here was my dentist from Nigeria who served over in Nigeria for 34 years with his family. And God provided him at more for him for more than 34 years at 100% support. And he talked about how God brought people into their life they never even knew that reached out to them. And so God will provide. We just have to do our part, right? And our part's to be obedient. Um, and it's not just to sit back. But sometimes it's to make calls, sometimes it's to write letters, sometimes it's to meet with people. Um, a lot of times it's to meet with people. Are we having AV problems? Oh, we're starting the TV. So the PowerPoint will be, there it is, oh my gosh. So we are with an organization called SIM. That's who I served in Nigeria with, it's who I still serve with. If you want to know medically about us, you can scan this code, or you can come down to us, we're in the first floor in 1501 or something like that. I don't, I don't yeah, it says so on my badge. Um, I don't care about the number because I don't even know where it says the numbers. Just look for SIM. We've got a big space. And so it's beautiful. We've also got some swag up here, which we will give away, and there's more swag down there. And I wrote the other bag. I found it downstairs. Oh, she found the other bag of swag, so we have more. Can you switch with me? I'll do all that. So we talk about bringing the good news to hard places because we just can't do it where it's easy. I never even really thought about Africa or Nigeria, my wife would tell you she never, my wife had never left the U.S. before we agreed to go to Nigeria. We were already support raising when we finally went to Nigeria. And the only reason we finally went beforehand, before we moved there, is because all the people that we were asking to support us and partner with us were saying, how could you know you're going somewhere if you've never been there? Well, if you've ever really felt affirmed in what God's told you to do, you know it. And so we finally did go for a week, and God affirmed it and raised our support in three months after that. And we moved, we moved there on a long-term basis. So God raised 
about $6,000 a month and over $30,000 at one time, and now it's done nothing but go up since then. Do you want me to? I can move this. Oh, that's, yeah, that's us. So Erin and her family, Erin served overseas as a single, okay, and she'll tell you her own story. Oh, now? Yeah, now's a good time. I was so young, my parents had to sign a waiver, and I ended up in Burkina Faso, West Africa, living and working in Mondaga, where there's a handicapped center for children who've experienced different physical issues, whether they've had polio, or they were, uh, we had one boy who fell into a fire and was severely disfigured, um, and another kid who lost his arm to a snake bite, and so the clinic that was there was trying to meet the needs of the population all around them, with a pharmacy, and just a whole host of different mission uh, ministry outreaches and community health. And what they wanted was a team of engineering students or engineers to come out and put in uh, some way that they could have clean water and electricity. And so that's what I went to do. I worked with solar panels to give them clean water and electricity. And so while we were there, I became, of course, friends with the French nurses who were serving there the first summer. And I would go and help in the maternity ward. So it was a really interesting and wonderful summer in the way that the Lord grew me, and that kind of became a thing over and over again to serve short term each summer when I wasn't in school until the Lord was like, okay, now it's time for you to make this two-year commitment. And I was like, I'm sorry, excuse me, I think you were talking to somebody else. Um, and he said, no, I'm really talking at you and to you, and this is what you need to do. And I walked through the whole process of starting to raise support and getting trained and all this stuff to come home to have the, do- the doors on every single one of those things slammed in my face. I'm like, Lord, I don't know why you put me through all these other things to bring me out the other side just to shut the door. Um, and he told me I have a different plan for you, but you're pretty darn stubborn, and this is what I had to do to get you where I needed you to be. And it ended a long-term service, and so I serve in our home office in Charlotte now. And we've been there serving international level or uh, at some USA as a family for over 15 years. And everybody else. All of us have a different story. Those of us who do the training. Doug, on your far right, has been with SIM over 30 years, uh, an accountant by trade, and he's done many other things. He and his family served in Bolivia, and they made amazing changes. Um, but I want you to hear this because I watched Doug walk through it. His wife died of ALS. God doesn't promise you just easiness. Um, our first week in Nigeria, while well, we were just visiting, we got a call that my son broke his because we left our kids when we went for one week. Left our kids with friends. Second day, and my son, we got a call. My son broke his two front teeth out. Um, I thought it was a joke at first until they said my dentist's name, and then I'm like, nobody here knows my dentist. Um, so I knew it was true. And it's just spiritual warfare. Jesus doesn't tell us the walk is going to be easy. In fact, he tells us it's going to be hard. So I don't want you to be surprised if you're on that journey and you find it to be hard, whether it's support raising or not. One of the things I love to tell people about support raising, it's the most faith-building and encouraging thing I do. It's also the most humbling thing I do. You know, so it's that way. Eric Van Pelt has served in Peru with us. And so as a a team of four, we teach on support raising. We walk together through this. And we talked about this, about have any of you raised a support for missions trip. We talked about that already. Um, Here's the question. Is asking for support biblical? And can can anyone give any supports from Oh, help me. (coughs) Any examples from Scripture? So has anyone, can you give an example from scripture on raising support? Is it biblical? Is living on support biblical? We're going to ask you guys a lot of questions. He's, he is going to stand there and wait until somebody says something. Who's not me? So please, feel free to jump in. Okay, okay that's good. Yes, sir. Awesome. Yes. And when we brought that up in the last one, Herschel reminded them, the people in the crowd. Nehemiah wasn't a believer. I mean, Nehemiah was a believer. Nehemiah, the king wasn't a believer. Sorry. I, you know, it's 4 o'clock, so I had my second cup of coffee, but it was rough. Um, the king wasn't a believer. And, you know, that's one of the really cool things is medical missionaries, for sure. A lot of the people that might walk alongside you aren't believers. But you're going to have a chance to be a bright light to them because they're going to be like, it's humanitarians. They might really, you know be able to come alongside and understand why you do it. 
and might think it's cool, but at the same time you're building that relationship and being a light and drawing them to Christ. You can see donors come to Christ through this. You can see people you're walking with as you call or as you meet with people or as you talk to people about what God is doing, you could see it draw people into a closer relationship to Christ. You could see when you think you're going to go talk to someone about support, be about not about you and not about your support, but about them. And God's just calling you there to be a light and to listen and to encourage. So, How many of you think, well, Paul was a tent maker. Maybe I could just be a tent maker. You know what I mean by tent maker, where you work a job and do ministry kind of like on the side? Is that just easier in the way to go? Should we all just decide now we're going to be tent makers? Why would we not want to be tent makers? Because listen, there are a lot of places where that's what you have to do to get into some of the countries. As doctors, nurses, dentists, or you know, orthopedic surgeons, if that's what you're going to do and that's what it says on your visa, that's actually what you have to do. That needs to be your ministry. Sure, you can do other ministry things too. But in a lot of the closed countries where we work, that's the way you get in on a medical visa. You're getting in on an occupational visa. And you actually have to do the job that you're there to do or you're going to get that. But if you don't have to be there as a tent maker, why would, why would we not want to be a tent maker? What's the drawback of being a tent maker? And not allowing other people to support you cut you off from that. Yeah, that's good. That's another reason for not self-supporting and not just putting the bill yourself. Because I know sometimes there's that thought of, well, I could just pay for this. And maybe if I don't, like if I ask people, maybe they won't understand. Or they look at me and I'm a doctor. And they think, oh, I'm rich, right? Ooh, but they forget that you guys have tremendous student loans. And maybe you guys need to hear about MedSend if you don't already know. You should look at it. That's awesome. But we want to talk about some of the obstacles for raising support. Can I just ask a question about asking non-believers to support you? Mm-hmm. Are you support up front with them? I'm willing to evangelize to... Uh, oh, yeah. So do I, I mean, do they support yes. that? Yes, for sure, and especially with especially with medical people, because again, they see they see what you're going to do because you're helping, whether you're going to proselytize or not. Proselytize, it's you're still going there to help people medically. I mean, people already know you, and they know that you're about Jesus, and that's your game, that's your deal. Um, And we would never tell somebody that they should hide that from somebody. Right. Right. The relationship that we want you to build with them is authentic, and we want you to build with them as partners, not as a relationship, say, with their wallet or with them as cash registers. You need to be building an authentic relationship with them where they trust you and you trust them and that you're able to build into them and they're able to build into you. If it becomes transactional and about money, you have really missed the boat and you really need to start over again. And that needs to probably start with an apology because you went the wrong way. And we talk about it and it's the way I came, became a believer. Um, I would have never become a believer if someone had just, when someone just shouts out that I'm, if I die, I'm going to hell unless I accept Christ as my Savior, it never would have worked with me. Um, we respond to need. And we listen and we care and we live alongside people and we just want to hear their stories. And then we proclaim the gospel. We earn the right to speak into their lives because people don't care what you know till they know that you care. And then we want to equip the church, walk alongside them and make disciple-making disciples. It says it on the sticker. That's why I picked it up. So if you want a cool sticker that reminds you of it, it's right there. Um, so what? back to the other question, what are some big obstacles to overcome in raising support? You have to overcome a lot of pride. Oh, pride yes. is huge. Yes. Yeah. What else? There's another one that comes out a lot. Just the time commitment, potentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like it takes sure. a year or so. It is dedication, for sure. And it's a, it definitely it's takes time. Sometimes it feels like, yes. For me, uh, one of the big obstacles was the sense that I would damage relationships by Asking, not asking well. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm very much very deeply people person, and it was a huge hurdle. Yeah, agreed. So I would call that fear. I would say fear of the lost relationship, fear of how they view us. Yeah. Yeah, fear and pride are two of the biggest ones, and and I wholeheartedly agree. And what we realize, and I won't lie to you, I lost some relationships raising support. I lost relationships going to be the missionary because people thought I, you know, I was now above them. I was a professional Christian and. And we couldn't be friends anymore. And I'm like, what What happened? I didn't change. I'm still a hypocrite. I'm still a sinner. 
Um, I'm not and not a professional Christian to a point I am, but but it's what we're all called to do. I mean, if you look at Deuteronomy 6 or some of the other things are supposed to be about the gospel from the time we wake up to the time we go to sleep, right? And if I live that way no matter what, it doesn't matter whether I'm a missionary, whether I'm a salesperson, whether I'm a doctor or a nurse, I mean, it doesn't change how I live. Yeah. So time you mentioned, pride we mentioned, yeah. All those we mentioned. Lack of training. Training is a huge one, and we, we offer training at SIM, but they offer training other places. We're not the only organization that offers training. We'll talk about some good resources at the end if you feel yeah. like maybe that's an area where you're lacking, get you hooked up if that's what you need. And lack of contact shouldn't be one either because it's not only who you know, it's who you know, the people you know. Because as Erin said earlier, um, she didn't say it in this session, sorry, who do you know that ever recommended a store you go to or a movie you go to and you went? Or who do you know when you got a job that helped you get a job or open a door for you somewhere? It's the same thing, right? Even where you went to medical school or where you went to college, because somebody else recommended it to you, you took their word. They were willing to vouch for you or for this institution mm-hmm. or the guy who comes to spray the bug spray around the corners of the community or my house or whatever, or reeks and gets you know all the leaves up. Who recommended him? Somebody that I trust. And so when people talk to us about a lack of contacts, we call it, asking for referrals, and oh, I could never do that. And I say, you think you could never do that because it's money, but you deal with that all the time. You take the recommendation of people who you trust, and you make it your own. This is really no different. Yeah. So how can God help us overcome the obstacles? Uh, I'd say a big part of it is prayer. And, and a big part of your walk in this, if you're really thinking about missions and you're starting to think about it now, or maybe you decided you're going to go, start to build a prayer team. I mean, you want to ask people. Maybe you already have people walking alongside you and praying for you. But start to ask people, hey, can you pray for me? I'm really looking into this. Uh, some of you may be students. Uh, in two years or in four years or maybe in six years when my residency is over, I really don't know where you are. I'm looking to do this. Can you start praying alongside me as I, as I look into this? And you start. That's one of the ways to overcome the obstacles. Another way is training, right? What are some others, Aaron? Mm, that's a good question, Herschel. I was still thinking about the protein part because it's such a big piece about being prayed up. Um, At SIM, we tell people, you need to have 20 people praying for you. I'm sorry, you need to have 200 people praying for you and receiving your updates, your newsletter, if you're a single. And if you're a family, you need 400 people committed to praying for you and receiving your newsletter. Because we can't do this alone. Because you will face obstacles. You will face spiritual warfare and things that just tear you down. And without the prayers of the faithful behind you, you're going to fail without the Lord's help. That's just how it's going to be. And so um, beyond that, we also tell people when they go out that they need to build a smaller dedicated prayer team of maybe 10 or so people that you can say the hard things to. Like, today's just a day, and I hate it, and I won't feel this way tomorrow, but I need somebody, a group that I can ask them to pray for me and that I can be very real with, and they won't hate me and judge me for it, and I won't worry about how they feel because they know it's just a phase. And so be thinking about these things. If you're going to step out into missions, who is your tribe? Who is your team? Who are those people that are in your corner? And where is your accountability in some of these things? Accountability is a really good way to help you overcome some of the obstacles that you're feeling and that you're facing. And I feel that everyone needs accountability, and it cannot be your spouse or your significant other because it needs to be the person who will say the hard things to you in love and give you the kick in the rear end when you really need it. And it's hard to say when it's the person, when it's your spouse and the person that you sleep next to, or the boyfriend that you call every night to say goodnight and that you love and know you hang up. No, you hang up. Like, if you can't, can't have to be that person for you, it doesn't work. It needs to be a trusted friend who's not going to be like, it's okay, you'll get him next time. No! They can't, like, crush you. I don't want that either. But somebody who is going to call and be like, did you make those 20 phone calls? You said, you're no, I didn't. Why? Because, well, no. So here's the deal. They need to be able to say the hard stuff to you. But these obstacles are real. And our hope is that as you venture through this and as you put your trust in the Lord to guide you and direct you in the path that he has for you, you get some training and you get some help that you won't see them as obstacles anymore, but you'll see them as victories. So we talk about why should people give. They're not really giving to us, right? And we're going to talk about that. I think that's in the next slide. Um, we're going to talk about that. And why should we invite others? Man, because it's a blessing to them too. And it will also help them in their walk. I would have never gone to Nigeria. I never thought about missions, never would have gone to Nigeria if a missionary wouldn't have asked me and invited me. 
um, Wycliffe states that a large number of their missionaries used to be supporters of other missionaries, and they got invited along for the journey. So they're missing a blessing too by giving, by walking alongside you, by praying for you. So we need those people involved. A lot of our missionaries come from the referrals of other missionaries, just like we did. When you guys raised support, um, what was that like for you? What was the experience like? Think about it now. We had to do it. Makes you happy. Lots of blessings. Feeling thrown up. (laughs) How do you feel about raising support? What was your experience like? Or if you were a donor for somebody, how was that experience? Okay. Well, that's a joyful, a joyful heart. That's good. I mean, and I've had good experiences. Like I'm currently supporting you right now. But oh, good. Um, you know, just cool God stories of I'm at training. I meet somebody who's like, hey, I have a friend in Fort Worth. So then I go meet, and yes. it's somebody that's the sister-in-law, somebody I know from where I live, and then that's they want to support me. This is crazy. That's awesome. Other people. Community. Creates community. That's good. Absolutely. I usually start uh, approaching families, relatives, and then friends, and then call nine children. And the last one that helped us a lot uh, when I was helping coordinate a short-term surgical mission, mm-hmm. they asked me to coordinate with local government unit in the area where we're going. Mm-hmm. And that's my first time, and I don't know how to deal with government officials, mm-hmm. local government officials. So I said, I'll see what I can do, so I went. I had a time to talk to them. And I can sense, that they know it's needed, but at the same time, there's some hesitancy mm-hmm. for the request for board and lodging, and also for security. Mm-hmm. Because the first thing they ask is, how many people? How many days are you staying? When I sense that, I know they're concerned. So I told them that you don't need to put your cow or pig to feed us. We can eat whatever you can afford. Mm. You don't need to put us in a hotel or something, nice place to stay because we experienced uh, sleeping on the floor of the municipal building. So I told them that you can sleep on the floor of the municipal building, or school building, or even in the church. And I, I saw the sudden change in their face, their smile, and some of them were clapping. So after that, we were hosted by them. And I always uh, made sure, talking to local officials or the representative, that we include evangelism for realistic approach to patient care. Yes. And they under, I want to make sure that they understand that. I told them we don't introduce religion, we introduce the people to Jesus Christ. And since then, they've been working closely with us. And of course, when we are in a certain place, we also coordinate, collaborate with local churches. Amen. So while we're doing the healthcare part, they're doing the evangelism part. Mm-hmm. And discipleship is such a huge part of medical missions because you're building the trust, and not just with your patients, but also with the staff around you. Um, many of the people, when we put them into hospitals around the world, the team that they're working with is so diverse and multicultural. Everybody's coming at it from a different angle, and then we have local believers, some who are new in the faith or still unbelievers working in some of these places. And it's amazing the kind of outreach that you can have through friendship and kindness, but with medical where you're able to bring the gospel and both spiritual and physical healing for some of these people that they've waited so long for, you really have a great opportunity in front of you. You want to talk more about this? You want to keep going? Keep going. Is it time for the skit, or are we doing this first? Yes, let's do the skit. Um, Hey, can we get two people to come up and all this? Two volunteers. I need two volunteers. There's one. Come on up. There's another. Come on up. You set it up this time. Okay, so you two are friends okay. from a while ago. You've known each other. Um, what are your names? I'm sorry, Ed and? Eunice. Eunice. Eunice, you've known Ed a while. Hey, buddy. You're meeting at a coffee shop. You're getting ready to go to West Africa okay. for the next four years, and you're raising a support team. Have a seat, guys. Yeah, sit down, relax, have a conversation. 
Talking to <laughs> So you have to invite him into your team. Oh. And ask him to consider supporting you. Where am I going? West Africa. If you want to go to North Africa, that's okay, or Middle East, or you choose. Okay. We're really passionate about it. Okay. Hey, bud. Hey, how you doing? Good. Good. I'm getting ready to go to Nigeria. Okay. You know, my parents are from Nigeria, and... Saluka, um, Vilaquana. Yeah. Lafia Kalo. Pretty excited about um, being able to provide medical care to that area. Yeah. Um, so I feel really called to um, to go there by the Lord. Um, you know, I've been praying about people to support me um, in prayer and financially, and I know that you've heard, you've seen my journey up until now. So if there's any way that you feel like you can um, join our team in terms of uh, praying for us or uh, supporting us financially, you're invited. <laughs> Am I supposed to be the bad guy? You can, you can be whatever you want. Your call, Ed. Man, that's a, but you know how scary it is? Come on. so much if you want any swag any coffee if you Eunice Ed if you want it if you want to choose anything if you want a coffee cup or a just a thing or a hat yeah it is a beanie you could have both if you really want feel free thanks okay so what what do you all think was good about that what'd you like what'd you like the coffee was good brother what else? It was Yeah, but checkbook and wallet now. <laughs> no, um, you want to be able to say something like, I'm really excited. It's I'm so glad to bump into you. And, you know, you can do that. And if you're back in church, you can go a little early and hang out in the main area and see people as they're coming and going. It's a great time to catch people. Some of you actually might have to pick up the phone and call them. That one. You know, that can be a little scary and overwhelming. Most of us really prefer to text. But as long as you, if, a lot of us text and so a phone call, somebody thinks somebody died. So you can do a pre-text. Nobody died. Just want to tell you about something awesome the Lord's doing. <laughs> and then I'm going to call you in two minutes, so be done in the bathroom and make sure you wash your hands. And <laughs> 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 That's a very cool. uh, And then you call and just share with them. I'm really excited about this thing that we're going to be doing that the Lord has called us into that I'm lucky enough to be a part of. I'm going back to wherever. I'm headed off to this, and I really feel 
God's calling, I would love to meet with you and tell you more about this, about our ministry mm. and our vision Amen. and our financial goals and the way the Lord is using this to change lives. So if I had left financial goals out of that, and they thought we were meeting just for coffee and ketchup, and so we're at the Starbucks, and I like whip out my flannel graph, and I'm like, point A, right here, with Jesus, and all this stuff, and they're like, I thought it was coffee. You have to be transparent, or they're going to feel really deceived. Don't hide the fact that you're inviting them into partnership, and there's an aspect of that that's financial. When uh, my husband and I were raising support as a family, I have a great friend. We were best friends. still are. And we knew each other in college, and we were roommates. Um, and she knew all about my ministry. I traveled first as a single, and she knew about that then. And then when I got married, and I worked stateside, she knew all about that. But she never joined her team. And I was like, that's kind of weird. She's a project manager. She's an electrical mechanical engineer. I, can't even, I mean, there's money coming out of this lady's ears. Because the... The people who support you, just a little sidebar of my story, you're going to be really surprised about who says yes and who says no. And the thing is, for as hard as it is, you can't be offended by that. And don't take it personal, because it's not its what not it? about you. It's not. You are lucky enough to be part of something, and you're a vessel, a tool that the Lord is using in ministry. He could use somebody else, the person who's sitting next to you in traffic that's driving you crazy because apparently their car came without the turn signals installed. But Jesus can love on them too. Uh, he could use any of them. Yes. So how do you capture those unspoken heroes that really don't want to be meeting for coffee? And, and but if you tap into them, they they will silently give. You know. Well, you can do it by sharing your newsletter with them and yeah. consistently seeing how you're doing this ministry day in and day out, and your faithfulness and your invitation to come visit and see your ministry in person, much like you want it to go and do. Now, my friend, she was very well aware of what was going on and what we were doing, and she had been to Charlotte, and she had seen my ministry. But for all these years, she never gave. And she called me one day, and she said, I said, hey, what's up? And she goes, you are so stupid. She knows her well. She knows me well. So I went with, what? And she's like, so dumb. Okay, I'm not even jumping into this part of the conversation to debate it. We're just going to put this right over here. Well, I'm just going to believe you. Why am I dumb today? I said, today. Why am I dumb today? And she says, why didn't you ever ask us to join your team? I was like, what? I was sure she had something like easy to ask or petty that I forgot. No. Why didn't you ever ask us to join your team? I was like, what are you talking about? You've seen our ministry. You've been involved. You know? She goes, I don't care. You never honored me by asking. And I was like, oh. Hey, Sarah, she was just, shut up, we're going to split your $80 off. And they do, and they still do today. And and it wasn't because of me. It, I continue to mess things up day in and day out, and the Lord is faithful. So there are those people who are already prepared, and the Lord is preparing their hearts now for you to ask and for you to invite them in. You're a tool. This isn't a, and I don't say, like, you're a tool in, like, the bad way. Where I'm like, you're a tool. That's not what I mean. You're a vessel. You're going to be used of the Lord and it'll be an amazing thing. But you can't take it personal when they say no, even though it's super hard. Because what you're asking them to do is to be in prayer. Pray about joining my financial team. Or you're praying in advance that the Lord will show you who it is that he wants you to ask. And they are praying about where to invest their resources, right? So if they pray and the Lord says, no, not there, and they come back and they're like, you know, I'm a piece about this. What right do you have to be offended if they were obedient to the Lord and did what he said. I don't want to be any part of their disobedience. If they pray, you say, pray about this, or they say, we've prayed about this, and I can't. Okay. Look. Be real. It hurts. It stinks. Your expectations are unmet. But should that sever your relationship with them? No. Are they afraid that it might too? Sure. So you have to not be like, (laughs) you can't be petty about this. You need to be but it doesn't mean it doesn't mean it won't hurt. It won't be emotional. Um, I've also had people tell me no that wound up giving. I've had people that tell me no that stopped talking to me. I mean, all these things have happened. I've had people that blow me away that I never, I barely knew them, and they start giving greatly. You know. We have a lady who we never invited her because she's a mom of two kids and she's single now, and grew up really rough and just never had the money. And so she prays for us. She hosts us. She does lots of other things when we go to visit. 
but financially, it was like, we cannot ask. Like, this lady can't even barely make her mortgage. We should be supporting her. And I opened uh, my email with my donor statement, and her name was on there for $5 a month. And I talked to my husband, and yeah, and I should have been like, oh. I was like, no, 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 no. You absolutely cannot do this. We need to file a return. Like, no, this, no, I'm going to write her a check. And she was like, stop. What? I was like, you can't do this. She said, don't rob me of this blessing. Yeah, I get like spiritually slapped out a lot. <laughs> it just happens. And really, we have to go before God with all of it. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing is give it to God and see what he has to say about it. So this is called the God Ask Diagram. When you're, if you are meeting with someone and talking to them, sometimes if they don't get it, it helps to draw something like this out. Um, this is in a book called The God Ask by Steve Shadrach. And really, we're going to God with everything, right? We're going to God in prayer as we go to the mission field. And we're asking God for provision from his resources. That's our job, right? And then our job as ministry workers is also to invite people to invest, our partners that we talk to or we meet with. And what we're really asking them to do is we're asking them to ask God where to invest his resources. I come from a non-believing background. I told you that before. My brother asked me years ago if I tithe. And I said, yes. We both worked in real estate sales, made good money. He goes, so you give 10%? I'm like, hmm. He goes, you give 10%? I said, sometimes, sometimes more. Joe, it all depends what God's leading me to do. He goes, but that's a lot of money. I said, yeah, but I get to keep 90 or 85 or 80. I said, it's still a lot of money. It's not... And so we just, we lead as God goes, right? When we just take it and say, thank you, Lord. But what do we do with the other? Even as missionaries, we're still called to give. I still support other missionaries or other ministries. It's not, oh, it's all me now. No, it's not. Herschel gave up a lot of financial gain when he left being a realtor and became a full-time missionary. And he had to sell his car, right? I did. But it was a sweet joy. As I realized God gave up his son for me and I'm giving up a... I'm giving up a car. That's it, a car. It was a nice car. <laughs> it was a car. What do you drive now? I drive um, a RAV4, 2010. But you know what? It gets me where I'm going, and who cares? It's not about the car. What was the first car? Because they want to know, right? You it, was a, know. it was a Lexus, and it was very nice, and it, the leather smelled good. And it had. I live in Texas, y'all. I live in Houston, and it had air-conditioned seats, so it was really nice, you know? So you understand now why I say he cried. I have to pick on her show. But it's all... It's all good. I did cry, and I called someone that told me he cried too, and he t- traded in his Porsche. You know, so we all give up something, right? And it may not be a car, and, and you may not care about cars, right? Who I cares? Had family. I had to move 600 and some miles away, and my family didn't get it. Herschel's family didn't get it either at first. No, not they definitely didn't. They got it. My husband and my kids didn't get it. But oh, my son was in junior high. No, he didn't get it. He didn't <laughs> want to move. <laughs> so here are some resources that we recommend. So if you are thinking about an organization. Uh, we know SAM is not the only game in town, and nobody's going to twist your arm into going to any particular place. There's a lot of great organizations out there. Although we did start in Nigeria, I'm just saying. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, but you need to find the one that's a good fit for you. And there's a slide where we're going to say, you know, let's ask some of the right questions. But if you're thinking about raising support, there are a lot of good books and trainings that are available to you that you can go to, so you don't have to do this alone because it can be scary and overwhelming, and you can get discouraged. So. Betty Garnett has a book called Friend Raising that we've used in the past. Heather Ricks has a book called God's an Elephant, God and Elephants. Um, Scott Morton has Funding Your Ministry. There's a good Bible study in there. And Steve Shadrach's book, The God Ask, also has a good Bible study and has a lot of practical application. We use The God Ask for the people that would transit come through some USA. Um, and then we do a seven-week online course where they get all the prep work done and they read sections of the book, and I teach that. The background's in education and engineering. And so, and I'm from Philly, so I talk fast and loudly and I'm obnoxious and all these things. All those things. All those things. So sorry. But we teach the God Ask uh, because we don't want people to be afraid. And people will say, oh, I could never ask for money the way you do. Or I could never ask for a specific amount. That doesn't necessarily reflect what God has for you. That really reflects your fear and your stubbornness more than anything else. Because I feel that you need to be willing to do whatever it is that the Lord calls you to and if you go to a meeting to invite somebody to join your team, and the Spirit is prompting you, ask for $100. But if the Spirit's prompting you just to ask or present the need, then present the need. It doesn't. It can look different at different appointments. Exactly. And if he says, shut your mouth, then you need to shut your mouth. You need to be prayed up, and you need to be sensitive to what he asks for you. And Herschel will say all the time, you know, you can go into a meeting where you're about to ask for support. You build rapport. You say, hi, how's it going? And this person just... Everything falls apart, and 
can say to you, my husband's having an affair. My mom just passed away. We just put our dog to sleep. My husband just lost his job. All those things are very real. And that meant that the Lord put us and you and me in that conversation, not because I needed to ask about support, but because I needed to minister to a person in the other chair. And you need to be sensitive to that. And you can't be like, oh, I feel for you. So back to why we're here. <laughs> that doesn't really work. That's kind of a thing. Yeah, because don't do that. you realize that is why you're there. That is why you're talking to them on the phone. And, and you just be a blessing and listen and hear and pray. Again, this should not be about money and your relationship with their wallet. It should be you wanting to build a genuine relationship to invite them into opportunities for better and deeper relationships to love our Savior. So even in that sit-down right there, I mean, you just asked Ed how he's doing. So she was building rapport. I mean, she could ask maybe, a, you know, in a longer time, she could she would ask more questions. But at the end, I always end every question, every one by saying, how can I pray for you? And seriously, I may have, I already built rapport with them at the beginning. I usually know the person. Sometimes I don't, but I'm building the rapport. But when I ask them how I can pray for them, their walls fall down. And sometimes the craziest things come out that she said before, or had someone tell me they had cancer. You just never know. And, you, and that's when you just say, okay, it's time to pray. And always end with prayer. Ask them how you can pray and then shock them. Pray. You know, it's what we're called to do. We're not, we're not being manipulative. We're really trying to be a blessing. That's our goal. It's, not to, it's really to be a blessing and see how God provides. Yeah, if you feel like you're going into it with the mentality or coming out of it with a, I'm a slick car salesman kind of mentality, that's just Stevie. You have to change what you're doing at this point. So if you're interested in getting some training on how to raise support and some best practices with adaptability, this is the group that we recommend. It's called Support Raising Solutions. It's under the umbrella of the Center for Mission Mobilization. So you can go to supportraisingsolutions.com and look at their boot camp. They do it in two days. They do them all over the U.S. So every month they're adding new ones. They do them in a variety of different languages, and their resources are available in like five to ten different languages, and they're constantly building more. They do them internationally. They've done them in China and the Philippines and the Ukraine and all these places and more and more coming. Um, so if there's one that's coming to your area, you don't maybe necessarily have to drive far. So there'll be one Someone said Fort Worth earlier. Fort Worth. Yep, there's another one in Charlotte that we're going to actually host um, next door from our campus. And they're going to go, and it's two days. And you walk in. The one that we had in Charlotte, the last one, was about... 70 people, and during just at the end of COVID, that was pretty great. The one before that, we had 112 people there getting trained on how to raise support in a biblical manner. And it wasn't just from one mission organization. Now, we train our people in-house, but this was a group that it was the size of, I mean, a, a pretty large ballroom. And so it's like 100 and some people from maybe 80 different mission organizations. And they're all a little bit different, and they all have their different bend or their take or their location. But the only thing that keeps them together is who they love and why they're going. That's really neat. As, as Ed pointed out, I can't even take. So we did go to Nigeria, and I live in Houston and had all the oil people telling me I was crazy. How could I bring my kids there? It's nice to be around a group of people that believe and know what you're doing and understand it, and we're walking alongside you and feel the same way. And it's nice to be lifted up that way. You're encouraged. Um, you're encouraged in something like that. So there's some key questions to ask mission agencies. Um, do they have training for support raising? Right. You know, knowing what their value statements are and what they believe are key. Um, also, how's their member care? Member care is so huge nowadays. As doctors, as nurses, as medical professionals, you're constantly pouring and pouring into somebody else. And at some point, that cup's going to be empty. What are you doing to keep yourself mentally sane while you're serving patients during a pandemic? We just did the Discover 938 medical panel. Uh, the first and third Thursday of every month, in USA hosts a webinar online through Zoom, and I oversee the webinar, and I'm like Oz behind the curtain. So sometimes Herschel hosts, his wife, a couple of our other friends, some funny people from SIM will host, and we have different people from ministries all over the globe that are with SIM come and share. We've had a big emphasis recently on medical people, and so we had eight or nine medical professionals, doctors, nurses, nurse anesthetists. PT, yeah, or a PA for sure. She's a PA, Bev's a PA. had an orthopedic surgeon on. Uh, Sam is also a surgeon. So lots of just different medical professionals, and they were just there to answer the questions of people who were coming through, medical people specifically who were interested in missions. Like, you know, when's the best time to go? Should I get a couple years' experience first? And it was, you should go when the Lord calls you, because there's benefits to going right now, and there's benefits to going later. Um, 
you know, what do I do about all my student loan debt? We talked about MedSense. What do we do about mental health, not just for our patients, but for ourselves when you see our things day in and day out and how important that is? And so if you have an interest in that, you can find that on our website. You can let me know, and I'll send you the link. But it's just an opportunity for missionaries to share and be very real and transparent about what it's like in medical missions uh, in some of our hospitals. But you want to ask some of these questions of mission agencies, like what do you do about member care and you know, what do you guys believe in and what's your home assignment <coughs> study or your cycle like? Right. Even while I, while I was here three years ago, someone I was talking to someone for 10 minutes, and he goes, okay, Herschel, what's it like to raise my family overseas? Mm-hmm. And I turned around, and, and the same guy's here now, Bill Ardill, who I served with in Nigeria. He lived there for over 20 years, raised his four kids there. He was there, and Bill went and talked to the guy for over an hour just to see he could understand and feel and feel heard and really walk with him through that. That's what these people that are here want to do. So if you have questions like that, use the resources you have here. Enjoy them. You guys have any questions? Yeah. So, in, so I um, I lead a nonprofit organization, and mm-hmm. we raise money on I guess larger scales, not just for individuals, but for team projects. Organizational. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I guess we're kind of starting to try to do that more efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know some of the things you can still go to people one on one. Sure. Um, but trying to look at more efficient ways to do that as a non-profit, and maybe this is not the right place for this question, um, but if you could speak to that, whether it's hire someone that actually has the background to write grants or reach out to or other organizations or put on gaming, some, something more efficient than going one-on-one. This is like what Daniel's doing. Yeah. Where they're looking for somebody to come in. Different organizations do it different ways. Um, we have an advancement team in our office of nine people. And because of ECFA laws for nonprofits, the people who do advancement and who raise large financial support for the organization, they have to be paid because otherwise there's a conflict of interest for them in raising personal support and raising support for the organization. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that our missionaries can't have projects that raise huge amounts of money every year. That definitely happens. But to have somebody who's dedicated to just doing the fundraising for major donors, for us it's called advance. Um, and that's that's not where we live and breathe. That's not we we don't deal with that very much. Uh, I can definitely give you the names of some people who do know and who are smarter than us on that if you'd like. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Um, so my question is because you kind of touched it on a little bit. People, you know, um, who end up in some of these post countries where. You have to go in under, you know, my medical visa. Right. And I, so basically, because I just came from a talk about marketplace. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so how does that fit into, because now if I do that, I have a paycheck. I'm employed by that hospital. Sure. So it feels weird asking for financial support when I'm already getting a paycheck. So, so depending upon the hospital that you go to it'll, and where, which country you'll be serving in, that level looks different. Often for a lot of the people that SIM sends, the paycheck is not enough for their family. And so it's a stipend. It's a small amount, and our budget manager will take that and remove it as a line item from their total total overall budget. And so that just gets added in and then subtracted every month for like, okay, this is your total amount that you need to raise every month, and that's just like a donor. And it just gets applied to that part of your monthly need just is removed. And then here's the so you raise less. You raise less. And it's the same thing in some of our schools where they provide a stipend for some of our teachers uh, or a housing allowance. And so we just remove that part from their budget. Now, if it's enough for you to live and you don't need the other funds, that's different. But we still encourage people to get fundraising training because you have an amazing opportunity to welcome people into this kind of work and to give exposure where they've never had any. You may not have to say to them, hey, would you like to partner and pay but would you like to partner and go? Or would you like to partner and pray, which is more important? Or even some with some doctors I know, I mean, they help with other people's medical bills because yeah. they have that ability because the money they're receiving, you know, to help with that. And I've never seen a doctor or a nurse or someone in medical who couldn't find an amazing project that they could direct that person to instead and say, we're going to build a new maternity ward. We're going to build a leprosy. Right. We're going to build this. We're going An to build EMT uh-huh. clinic. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, you know, I I don't need it for me. I need you to consider doing it for this. And so you can definitely do it that way too. It'll depend on your organization. 
and what it looks like on the ground and what's available, but you have options. You also can be very generous and support others around you or give yours away or tell the hospital you're... Sometimes in those countries that you can't tell the hospital you won't take a stipend, legally they must pay you an amount. Um, like that's evidence in Angola for Sam. Uh, and so there are ways that you can work, but your organization will have better ideas about how they've done that in the past. Somebody else have a question? Yeah. Quick question, uh, and I'm sure this varies, but if there was kind of an average number, but how often do you have people come back to the state to do fundraising? Like, because they fell short and had to come home? Or do you, when you fundraise, are you asking people for you know a monthly amount Indefinitely? Are you, asking, are you hoping for that type of stuff? You know, what if people only want to give a lump sum instead of sure. monthly? Sure. Sometimes we have annual donors, you know, and I have to go back annually and ask them. Yeah. Right? So sometimes, no, when people come back, very few people come back after three or four or five years and don't need to raise some more support, whether they had another kid or yeah. finances changed or, of course, American insurance went up, um, you know, for some reason. So it's something we keep doing. It doesn't stop. I'm sorry. I hate to tell you that. When you reach 100%, it's not over. I mean, it's you're con- continuing to communicate with them, work with them in prayer, you know, and just build relationships. So, no, it's it's normal. It's really normal. Four years is kind of like yes. the, that point where you start maybe recirculating in a very dedicated sense. Yeah, right. so for us, three to four years is long-term and it's your first term would be ending, and then you would come home on furlough or home assignment. Okay. You then should be seeing each one of those donors to give them catch up. They should be hearing from you on a monthly basis anyway, with a newsletter or you know, virtual postcards, something, so that you're touching the base and seeing your blog, whatever it is, however you're going to communicate. But when you come home, you should be making an effort to see them and to invite them to continue along with you in this journey. Uh, generally, we'll have a lot of people that'll say, well, how long are you going to do this for? Like, Is this like a one-year thing? And Somebody will say, no, I'm doing this indefinitely, like Eunice said, and I'd like you to partner with me for long term for this vision. I've got big visions for this, for what it's going to be like on the ground and how we're going to affect things. Uh, and some people will say, well, can I only commit to one year and then we'll reevaluate? Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Whatever and thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, and thank you. you. So, yes, but we do have a lot of people who, when they come home, they'll reinvite. Uh, we don't generally recommend people starting with saying, look, I'm going to go. Would you be willing to just partner with us for two years and then we'll see how it goes? Like we're trying not to set that up. That kind of sets the like, so you think I'm not going to trust this after two yeah. years? We're, we're trying to not confuse the issue. Right. But, yeah, it's a good question. Yes, ma'am. On the barriers to domestic, to raising some of the domestic issues. Mm-hmm. I've talked to people who said as long as they were they were the same organization when they were serving in other countries, no call. The moment they come back here. And same thing with like doctors, healthcare providers. It, it's always assumed, okay, you're going abroad, you're going to raise support. Yes. But, you know, it's, it's a huge challenge if you're a doctor domestically. You know, so I don't know, can you comment on that? And how, how to so I think it's, it's harder to raise support being based in the U.S. I mean, for missionaries or anybody else, it's just finding the right people that want to partner and just making sure they understand why, you know, why you're doing it. What the big... Yeah, what the purpose is, what your big why is, what God's leading you to, where God's involved in this, really, and what God's doing. In the session that we taught earlier, the same one at 1 o'clock, the people who volunteered to come up for the skit, the young man is a pharmacy student, and he's headed to Clarkston. Clarkston, Georgia. And he's going to work with refugees. It's like the most diverse square mile in the whole U.S. at this point. And he invited a doctor who was here, and he spoke to her about it, and she's like, but wait, you're staying here? to do this? And he was only going for a short-term trip. And he said, yeah. And she's like, and you need how much? And so, like, she played along real nice and, and pulled a lot of questions and stuff out of him. But you could see that kind of hesitancy, like, why would you stay domestically and do this? And so he was able to explain what his passion was for doing it, for right. serving them here in this place, and what their need was, and how it touched his heart. And as he shared his passion, she caught a vision for it. And she said, how much do you need? And in that skit, he said he only needed $800 to be able to go for the length of time he was going to go. And she said, I'll make you a deal. I'll do a matching grant. If you come up with $400, i will pay the other $400. And he went. <laughs> and somebody else from the back yelled, say thank you, which is great. <laughs> uh, and so then they went back to the seats, and she turned around, and she said, are you actually going to do that? And he said, yeah, I am. And she took her business card out and said, call me. <laughs> so there are there are people that will do it, and it's, it all depends on the amount and what it looks like and finding people that can join along in the vision because God's got it. Again, God's got all the money. 
and it's just seeing it. I um I actually just recently April um volunteered to be a full time ministry serving his own mission organization in Texas. So I packed everything from Chicago area, moved to Texas. Um, my husband who's been thirty years uh, working in ER nurse, he quit his job. He joined with me. So we became full time volunteer <laughs> missionary and I was just only simply invited all of the people that I know in the Chicago area that it was simply it was the last um, service we're going to hear, uh, we're going to do a, a sending service, commission and service. So I invited for the service people. And then people came with the cards with a little bit of uh, gifts. And then I was very surprised that one of my friends never expected. She wrote a $1,000 check. In, a, in, the, in the car, and she said, I am so excited for you, what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of mission that I want to support. Mm-hmm. Position that I'm in right now is the supporting the missionaries overseas, providing um, information and um, resources and all kind of um, things that they need, not financially, but on um, knowledge basis or information basis and the training and things like that. So she feels that this is a, another way of very effective mission work, Amen. even though I'm here. Right. So some people will uh, feel very connected with that kind of work and they will give. Yeah? Right. Thank you, Sue. Ed, you had a question? I just wanted to ask if, if you had seen a shift, maybe I've seen more people want to say, look, we have the needs here in the U.S., um, a shift in individuals wanting to support something in the country rather than, than international. I, I maybe in the past few years I've seen more of that happen. I haven't seen more of that. Um, I'd love to see more of that. I mean, I did. You know, depending on who you're talking to, and I met with a guy, and I was just meeting with him, and he asked me what I do, and he asked me how I get paid, and I told him, he goes, "Well, why wouldn't I want to support the homeless people?" I'm like, "You can." Right? You can. I'll, I'll connect you to ministries in our city that do that if that's what you want. I'm not, I'm not asking. I was never planning on asking him for support. So I think there are certain people that feel called to do that. And hallelujah. Praise God. I, they're not all called to support me. I think it changes depending from day to day for me who I'm talking to and their particular thing. Yeah. yeah. So the, the ultimate goal is honestly spiritually healthy, vision driven, fully funded, great commission workers. Spiritually healthy is so important. We can't forget that in this journey. We can't. The reason we do a Bible study leading up to it, we want people to understand it's biblical. See it in Scripture. Keep walking with God. Keep spending time with Him in the Word and prayer and having people praying alongside you and with you. It's important. We Go ahead. For us, we do it, as Herschel mentioned, with prep work. I think I said that too. So we do a seven-week online course. There's a Bible study. There's discussion questions. You read chapters from the book that we use. And people get to learn in community online. And then they come and they sit with us, and we do it over three days where we're working on your presentations. You're making phone calls to set appointments for when you get home. And you're doing different role plays, like the bump and run right. call where you meet somebody and how do you ask them to sit down with you. And then when you stand with them, how do you share that? And just all sorts of really good things like that. And again, it's helpful because it's a safe space where you can share and everybody's in the same boat. Um, and coaching and accountability is so important. Now, if you do not have accountability, that's a really good question to ask your sending entity. If they do not offer coaching and accountability, you need to find some. Yes. Because everyone needs accountability, and it cannot be your spouse. It was the last one that I said that in, right? No, you said it here. And their, their organizations do it. We need to wrap up to yeah. honor their time. So we want to wrap up. If you have questions, we're happy to answer them afterwards. Um, our contact information will be up here in a second. Feel free to reach. We do it because we don't want people to live and die without the gospel. That's why we do what we do. I mean, there's still people dying to hear, and we need to make sure we get out there. We want to invite you. Nobody's really going to go unless someone's asking them. So we want to invite you to go, whether it's with a sim or anyone else. So what's God calling you to do is the last question I'll ask you. How's he calling you to do it? If you have questions, feel free to email us or whatever, or ask us afterwards. Let me pray really quick so those of you that need to go can go. Father, thank you so much for this group. Father, I thank you for the Global Missions Health Conference. I pray that you, God, are honored in this. God, that we hear from you and know what you have for us. 
Father, I just ask that you bless this group. Father, help them to know what the next step is for them, uh, whether it's to support, whether it's to send, uh, God, whether it's to go. Father, help them to hear you well. Father, give them energy to get through the night and the ability to just hear you, Father, and hear those that are speaking. Bless them, keep them, and guide them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you all. And if you want, if you want any swag, feel free to come yeah. get some or come visit us at the SIM booth.